Well, good morning, church. You know, we all had some plans disrupted in 2020, didn't we? I think that every pastor's vision casting day was disrupted because they probably had this great play on 2020 vision, you know, because pastors don't do anything corny or cheesy like that. Um, but I think that, that we all had our plans disrupted for sure, and we can all think about those things, and oftentimes those things can affect how we move forward. I even began to think about 2020 and how my twin girls turned 13 years old, and we had all this great stuff planned for them because, you know, 13, special, you know, it's one of those benchmark, you know, ages, and we were going to do something special, and, well, that didn't quite work out because their birthday happens to be in April, and that was when everything just kind of really went on lockdown, and so, yeah, that didn't happen quite the way we had hoped. Uh, my wife and I are celebrating 20 years of marriage this year. We had some plans to do some travel that uh, got disrupted uh, because of all that stuff, and a lot of people went through a lot of difficulty. Maybe some of you lost your job. Maybe some of you dealt with uh, varying degrees of illness or sickness and um, possibly even loss. And I know that this disruption uh, can paralyze people if we allow it. And so my hope and my desire is that over the next four weeks, we can take a focused time to address the pandemic and what all has happened, how it's affected our lives, our families, how it's affected our church, and then how we can move from the reality of where we are, acknowledging the reality of what has happened, acknowledging the reality of what all we've gone through, now that we're able to kind of look at a little bit more of the aftermath and have a little healthier perspective looking backwards, and more importantly, how to not get stuck there and continue to move forward in our families, move forward as a church, move forward as Christ followers in what he has created us to do. So that's what this series from here to there is going to be about for these next uh, four weeks that we're going to go through. I think the challenge with this is that when disruptions happen in our lives that are things that are outside circumstances that we can't control, when those things begin to just hit us in a really hard way, everyone's reaction is the same initially. Everyone panics, everyone freaks out, no one knows what to do because there's no rule book. There's no playbook to be able to turn to to go, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three. This is how you navigate these things. That's where frustration gets involved because no one really knows what to do and everyone has their own idea about what should be done, right? And that can happen in a family, that can happen between neighbors, that can happen at your job, and that can even happen, oh no, at the church as well, right? To where people make decisions that are difficult because they don't know how. I can't tell you how many times I talked to pastors during the lockdown phase of the pandemic, and they were like, well, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, well, we don't know yet. What are you doing? And it's like nobody knew exactly what to do. But thank God, a lot of churches got really creative during that time and were able to leverage technology to be able to still make sure that the gospel is being preached. And so a lot of churches were able to make that leap if they already hadn't made that shift. And so that's a great thing that churches kind of jumped in and recognized, hey, let's leverage technology to keep communicating the gospel. And that was a great way to kind of bob and weave in the middle of this kind of lockdown thing. And so we're grateful for that. So that was a good thing that we were able to navigate and kind of figure out to keep making sure we were doing what God had called us to do to keep preaching 
the Word of God. And then even the blessing here at Bettendorf Christian Church that we had gone through a building project to where we had this nice large space here, and we were able to reopen sooner than other churches in our area because we could invite people to come in with still following the recommended distancing guidelines and all those things like that because we had enough space to be able to spread out. So that's a blessing there as well. So we just got had to get creative, and there's challenges and things that come our way that require us to bob and weave. But here's the thing. In the middle of our moving around and moving back and forth and adjusting and shifting, often we can either get weary or worse, we can get stuck. And I want to talk today about the goal for the family to be able to move beyond this idea of getting stuck. Because when we're stuck, we can't move forward. And if I'm not moving forward, I'm paralyzed and I'm not being effective because I've hit the pause button either on my relationship with Jesus or I've hit the pause button on impacting eternity or living in light of eternity. I put the pause button on forward progress that I was making that God was calling me to and I begin to get stuck waiting for everything to return to my acceptable version of normal or my acceptable criteria to be able to go, okay, now I can move forward with serving God. Now I can move forward with my family engaging and plugging into these various things. And we all have that different criteria, but my, my, my hope and my prayer is that we don't get stuck in the past, we don't get stuck in our current circumstance, and we don't just keep waiting, sitting on our hands, not doing anything for God in the middle of all the challenges that we face. Because if it's not the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, it's gonna be something else that will wanna try to paralyze us or make us live in fear. The difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is not how we're affected by the challenges that come in our world or the things that the pandemic brought, because we're all affected by it. It touches all of us of every race, religion, and creed. It touches every person. So it's not whether or not it affects us. It's what do we do next? It's the next step. That's the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian, because you and I as Christ followers we know that our hope is anchored in Jesus, amen? And we know that we are called to live in light of eternity. Our, 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 our plight to live in light of eternity is not regulated by the circumstances we find ourselves in. And this is very much where the Apostle Paul found himself, and that's where we're going to go today in Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there, and we'll read that in just a moment. I want to give you a little bit of the history of what was happening so you can understand the context in which Paul was writing this letter to the church in Philippi. So the Apostle Paul is writing this letter from prison, and he's writing this letter to actually encourage the church in Philippi. Hang on a second. This seems backwards to me. I don't know about you, but don't you think the church in Philippi should have been writing letters to encourage Paul in prison? But instead, Paul in prison is writing letters to encourage the church in Philippi. And he's wanting to encourage them because of their sufferings. And he's using the fact that he's suffering as a launch pad to help them understand that he's still content and joyful and still able to move forward because he's anchored in Christ, even though he's in a terrible situation. He's not in like some cushy prison where he's sitting in a lazy boy recliner, you know, and, and, and he's got someone playing a harp in the background as he's, you know, pinning this wonderful letter to the church in Philip. 
No, this is something where he's, he's more than likely dictating this letter to someone who's writing down what he's saying as he's in a terrible situation. Remember, the Apostle Paul has survived stoning. He's sur- he survived being beaten, being shipwrecked, being left for dead. All of these things this man has survived. And you would think that if anyone could get paralyzed in the circumstances they found themselves in, that it would be Paul. You would think that if anyone would want to uh, have uh, justification to feel sorry for themselves, that it would be Paul. If you would think there'd be anyone who could go, I don't know if serving God is worth it, that it would be Paul because of all the difficulties and all the challenges that he went through. But yet in prison, in Philippians chapter 3, we see him writing this letter. So let's start off in Philippians 3 and verse 13. He says this, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Chapter four, verse one. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So Paul, in this section of his letter, acknowledges what we talked about last week, and that was the cost of following Jesus. You remember Jesus gave the illustration of no one goes out to build a tower without first counting the cost. Otherwise, while he's building it, he runs out of money or materials and everyone starts to mock him saying, this guy went and built something and he didn't make good enough plans and now look, he wasn't able to finish the job that he started. And he used that as an example to talk about the cost of following him. And here, Paul gives that same type of idea of that there is a cost to following Jesus. And Paul acknowledges that the cost is worth it and that he's been paying that cost by suffering with Christ, by counting it an honor and a privilege to actually join in the sufferings of Christ, counting the difficulties that he's experiencing as Christ suffering for you and for me and joining in the sufferings of Christ. Paul thinking it an honor to be counted worthy to join in those difficulties and to give glory to God through those challenges that he was facing, even in the middle of prison. And he says, this is how I do it. This is how I stay anchored. I first of all remind myself of the gospel and I remember that he's worth it. He says, Christ is worth more than anything else. Everything else I've gained, everything else I've been able to attain and everything else I've been able to accumulate for myself, I've counted that as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. In other words, Christ is worth more than having my freedom from this prison cell. Christ is worth more to me than being able to have a full stomach. 
He said there are people who actually have become enemies of Christ because they've forsaken the message of the gospel and they haven't seen the goodness of God as something that is worth following, and so they would rather fill up their bellies, and they've made that their God. They've made going and seeking pleasure for themselves and getting everything the way that they want, making sure life goes their way. That's their goal. That's their aim. And it's actually caused them to be an enemy of God because Christ has somehow to them become insufficient. They haven't seen the glorious message of the gospel that would say that a sinner, a wretch like you and me who is disconnected, cut off, alienated from being able to to, to connect with our creator that we would be not only here in this life, but forever alienated from him, forever separated from him because of our sin. But then Jesus steps into history and he knew no sin, but he became sin for us that we might become right in the eyes of God because of his sacrifice. Thus Jesus taking the punishment that you and I deserved upon himself, the one who was not guilty, took the punishment of the guilty so that we could be free through putting our faith and our hope and our trust in him. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the good news of the gospel, and Paul is saying he's worth more than anything else. He's more valuable than anything else. Paul says, as a matter of fact, I count everything else as loss for the sake of knowing him. So therefore, I forget those things that are behind. Now, when you hear a preacher say that, or you read that in a devotional, or you hear a song that talks about, you know, letting go of the past, our minds always go to bad stuff, don't they? Our minds often go to letting go of the sin that we once held on to that you know, may have dictated our lives. Let go of that controlling substance or those things that were in my way. I was able to find freedom in that, and so I've let go of the past. Or maybe bad experiences. You know, Maybe there were things that someone said or things someone did to you that you were able to overcome and you let go of the past. Or maybe mistakes that you made where you made decisions that weren't honoring to God that maybe have hurt you in life and may have, may have changed the trajectory that you were on. And you're like, I've let that go. I've been able to walk out of that and find freedom and forgiveness. And all that's true and all of that's right and all of that's good. But the Apostle Paul, in the context of what he's saying, wasn't just talking about forgetting the things that were behind that were bad. He was also talking about forgetting the things that were behind that were good. Some of us get stuck polishing our trophies. Some of us get stuck looking at the glory days of yesteryear. Some of us get stuck looking at the way that we like things and the way things used to be, and we make an idol out of that. And even though it was good, even though it had a wonderful purpose, even though it helped us to make progress and move forward, we get stuck trying to recapture the good things of the past. It's almost like that guy who, you know, he's in his 40s now, but he still will say things to his buddies like, you remember in high school? You remember that championship game? where I had the ball and there was 10 seconds left and I was able to score the final points that made us win. Man, wasn't that great? And they're like, yeah, that was great, buddy. But that was like, you know, 25 years ago. It's like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. He's like, you bet, I bet I could throw this football over that mountain, you know. If coach would have put me in the game, we would have went to state. And we get caught up in the glory days of yesteryear and it gets us stuck. It paralyzes us just as much as the bad stuff that has happened when we live in that space as well. 
Well, life used to be so much better. Life used to be so much easier. Oh, it was so much better when we didn't have to do A, B, and C. And so what we do is we hit the pause button on moving forward until we can recapture the past. And the Apostle Paul, he says, you know what? I'm pressing forward. I'm pressing forward, and I'm also pressing upward because getting unstuck from the effects of the pandemic is vital for us to move forward. It's, it's vital. I mean, there were some things that happened that we were able to see positive outcomes from with how people responded, and there are also some terrible things that happened. And there were some frustrating things that happened, and frustrating things that may even still be happening. And my concern for the families are that we get stuck and we get paralyzed, and we don't move forward because we're waiting on things to be unpaused to go back to the way they were. We're doing this in church, we're doing this in families, we're doing this in our daily lives. And I'm not suggesting that we don't move forward with wisdom and with cadence of, of patience and, and trying to be aware of things that are happening around us and we just run like a bull uh, in a china shop to run over other people. That's not very loving and Christ-like and God-honoring at all. What I am suggesting is that we miss out on moving forward and we get stuck in the situations because we feel like we don't have permission to move forward. We feel like we don't have permission to take a step in the right direction unless all this criteria, this, it's like we have all these prerequisites that we're putting on God, on the culture, on our job, on the church, on our family, on our neighbors. We put all these prerequisites before we allow ourselves to move forward and we get stuck, and we get stuck in the cycle of being ineffective, and then something really dangerous can happen. We kind of like the break. <laughs> we, we like the fact that we're, you know, oh, I have a little bit more time than I used to have. Uh, I, I can do this and this now. My priorities have become misaligned because my, my rhythm has been disrupted, and so now I have a choice. Am I going to allow that rhythm that has been disrupted to continue or am I going to say, no, Lord, I need to move forward. I need to get unstuck and stop making excuses to why I'm not engaging in the things that are going to bring you glory and the things that I know you're calling me to. Because the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm still pressing on. How are you pressing on? You're in prison. Like, how can you, <clears throat> how can you do anything? He says, I'm still pressing on. In prison, I'm still pressing on. In the middle of this challenge, I'm still pressing on. I, because you know why? Jesus is worth it. I, I'm not going to allow myself to get stuck. I'm not going to allow myself to get into a pity party or become the victim because Jesus is worth it. And he's anchoring me and he's guiding me. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't get impacted by the struggles and the challenges, but it's what I do next that's different than those who don't know Jesus. I live like someone who has hope instead of react like those who have no hope. Because I'll tell you, man, I wish I could confidently stand up here before you and tell you when all this stuff first started going down back in 2020 that I was like, well, we're just going to hold hands with Jesus and walk through this. Amen. Hallelujah. Man of faith. Let's, let's do this. You know, we're just going to trust the Lord through this whole thing. I was like, ah, what are we going to do? <laughs> that's where I was. And that's where you were too, right? I mean, we were all kind of there at certain times. Or when's this going to be over? Like, when's, when's this going to get back to normal? When's this going to change? I mean, come on. And I felt those feelings, and I dealt with that. And so did both the Christian and the non-Christian. But the difference between the Christ follower and the person that lives without Christ, without hope, is that we can go, okay, I'm going to trust in you. 
and I'm going to be anchored in you. I need to remind myself of who I am and whose I am. I need to remember that I was bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. I need to remember that even when I feel alone, that my God will never leave me or forsake me. I need to remember that greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. I need to remember that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I need to remember that if God is for me, who can be against me? I need to remember that he is worth it, that I press on and I leave those things that, that, are, that are in the past and I keep pressing forward and I keep reaching and looking upward. That's the difference is where I turn next and I don't allow myself to get stuck and disengaged because when our plans get interrupted, when our expectations are unmet, we're tempted to pause life until things go our way again. And this is how we get unstuck. So if you're stuck today, my, my goal is first of all to help you realize you're stuck because some people are stuck and don't even know they're stuck. Don't look at nobody. It might be you. <clears throat> some people don't realize they're stuck and you wish somebody else was here hearing this sermon today. Well, they're not here, you are. So there you go. You gotta deal with that, right? Maybe it's you who's stuck and you realize, wow, my relationship with the Lord really hasn't been that healthy. I really haven't been living in light of eternity. I have been waiting to be able to re-engage or do things until all my criteria is met instead of saying, Lord, how can you use me right here, right now? Because God didn't all of a sudden go, well, hey, all you Christians, I need you all to take a vacation. But, and, and when you're ready to get back involved, when you're ready to start serving me, when you're ready to start pursuing me again, I mean, it's cool, right? But uh, take a break, take a vacation. No, God, God didn't expect the body of Christ to take a vacation, amen? amen. If any time, when the days, if, 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 if any other thing, when the, when the times get dark, when the days get darker and things look the most hopeless, that's when the light should shine the brightest, when the, the darkness wants to try to encroach in, Amen. I mean, that's when we should actually be leading the way and showing the hope that we have in Christ, not us just getting disengaged because, oh, well, I can't do what I used to do. I can't go about my life the way I used to go about it. Maybe there are restrictions. Maybe there are roadblocks in the way. But because we're anchored in Christ, because we're motivated by him, we still say, all right, Lord, help me move forward where I'm at. And it's challenging. I got to bob. I got to weave. I got to do some things maybe I didn't have to do before. I got to do things maybe in ways I don't like doing it. But God, I can't just stop because I don't like the way things are going. I can't just get unplugged because I don't like the circumstances I find myself in. They may be unfavorable to me. It's like everything has to be like sunny with a high of 75 with a nice gentle breeze then I'll serve you, Lord, when I feel good, when I got plenty of rest, you know, I had a good meal, you know, not too much, but just enough, you know, where I feel great, got a good workout in this morning, you know, my heart rate is at a good resting rate, and, and today's the day I'm going to serve Jesus, yeah, today's the day I'm going to say yes to greater things, because everything's going my way, got plenty of money in the bank, my wife told me she loved me this morning, I nodded, um, <laughs> Because she knows. <clears throat> you know, I, I, the kids are doing pretty good. They're making A's and B's. And, you know, I, does everything have to be just perfect before you say yes to Jesus? I got, I got plenty of time this weekend. No. If I just wait around for everything to be perfect, I'm never going to do anything. And I, and I feel like because of what has happened and what we've all experienced over this past year and a half, it, it's, it's impacted us in a way that's caused us to get stuck. And we don't even know sometimes that we're stuck. And maybe today is just the first revelation that you're even stuck. 
Because you become disengaged and you're blaming everything else and God's still calling you to move forward. He's not giving you a way out to, to, to just make excuses and stay stuck. No, instead, he wants you to continue to move forward. And that's what Paul said. That, that's actually the, the further on we read um, Philippians 4.13. Everybody loves Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in the context of the whole letter, in the context of Philippians 4. He says that I've learned to be a base and I've learned to abound. I've learned to have and I've learned to go without. And I can do these things. I can do all of these things because Christ has given me purpose and strength. Because it's not whether or not my belly is full and everybody likes me and is cheering my name and carrying me on their shoulders. That's not why I can do what I do. No, it's, I can do it either way. Whether I'm being stoned and imprisoned and left alone and left for dead and abandoned by all my friends and abandoned by all the people. He even said there are people who used to walk with me that no longer walk with me. In some of Paul's letters, he actually names them by name, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. <laughs> he was like, this person used to walk with me. They don't anymore. They went after this other gospel as if there was another gospel. you know. Um, and so he, he even names their names because he's saying, listen, the these people have left me. They've abandoned me, but he hasn't stopped. He didn't get stuck and go, well, so-and-so left me. Well, I guess I can't do ministry anymore. I guess I can't live in light of eternity anymore because I'm all alone, and this is hard. God, this is hard. No, he's still able to encourage the church, even from prison. He can even say, I, I can do all these things because it's Christ who gives me purpose, who gives me strength. It's not because Paul's so great, but it's rather the greater one who lives in us. Amen, church? Amen. You see... We have to start acknowledging reality, and reality is here, okay? It's where we're at. And for us to move from here to there, it starts with us acknowledging that reality and then saying, I can't stay here because vision casting 101 is acknowledging the reality of where you're at and why it's unacceptable to stay here. Vision casting 101 would say, this is where we're at, good or bad, but we can't stay here. We have to move forward. And that's easier for some who are more cut from the optimistic cloth than those of my brothers and sisters who are a little bit more on the pessimistic half uh, glass half empty side, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just what it is. Amen, oh me, whatever, right? Because it's harder to see that. It's harder to see that because sometimes we've already got it figured out why it's not gonna work before we ever even try. We've already chalked up a defeat when we haven't even taken a step. And we've already said how it's not going to work because, well, you don't live with my wife and you just don't know because I know her. And I know that if I try to take a step in the right direction to help our marriage to get healthier, I know how she's going to react because I've been married to her for a long time and I know her and you don't know her. And so, you know, that's nice, preacher. You can say all those things, but you don't know my wife. And some of you are thinking those types of thoughts. Some of you are thinking, you don't know the type of financial trouble that I'm in. I mean, if you knew that, then you would, you would know, you know, I can't take that step. I can't do this. I can't do that. And you would give me all the reasons why you couldn't do it because of all the challenges that are in front of you. And I know that those things are reality, and I know those things are difficult. And maybe you're even right in some of your assumptions on how certain situations would work out and people would respond, but it still doesn't give you the right to stay stuck because God doesn't want you to stay stuck. God doesn't want you to stay stuck in your present circumstance. He doesn't want you to stay stuck in the past uh, of all the victories that you've had or all of the challenges that you've faced. He wants you to keep pressing forward, whether you're in prison or whether you're walking as a free man or woman. 
He wants you to continue to press forward because Paul kept pressing in the middle of prison. But we have to start by acknowledging where we're at here and then not accepting the role of the victim. We must acknowledge reality and we must press forward and upward. I, I, I love what he says. Let's go back over to Philippians 3 and let's read verse 13 through 15 again. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to, to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Paul forgets those things that are behind. He forgets those things and instead looks to the future and keeps his eyes on Jesus and seeking him first. Just as we talked about last week, Matthew 6 and 33, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and trusting God with all of the rest and just saying, Lord, I'm going to put my focus and my energy into continuing to do the things that are going to honor you. I want to continue to prioritize honoring you with my life. I want to continue to press forward. That's how I'm going to continue to suffer well is by making sure that I'm living my life and honoring you. I want to be faithful to you because you've called me to faithfulness and you've been so faithful to me. And as I press forward, God, let me be found faithful no matter what circumstances I may find myself in. Let me not allow myself to get stuck because I see you're worth it. And I'm not going to make excuses, Lord, no matter what I may be facing. Paul forgets those things behind. And he looks to the future and he keeps his eyes on Jesus and seeks his agenda above Paul's agenda. You see, this is how we live daily in light of eternity. No matter what happens in the world. No matter what challenge that we may face. Paul later on says in the book of Philippians, he talks about how God will give us a peace that will pass our understanding. That means it's a peace that's not going to make sense to us rationally because the world looks at you and goes, how do you have such peace in the middle of all this turmoil? Why aren't you freaking out like the rest of us? And you can say, well, I did it first. And then I remembered where my source was. And I reminded myself of who I am and whose I am. And when I remind myself of the scriptures and I remind myself, I'm not going to allow myself to get stuck. I'm going to keep pressing on. Then I can see beyond the challenge and keep moving forward. I may not know exactly how everything's going to play out. I may not know how it's all going to work out. But all I know is that I'm going to keep trusting in the Lord. And he will just blanket you with a peace that will pass your understanding. And he says this, it guards your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's the type of peace that God gives. It puts a guard over our heart and our mind when we stay anchored in the gospel. And here's what vision really is. Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion in people. And so I would ask you this today. What is your vision for your family? If we're going to talk about the goal for family, you have to see beyond the current state you're in. Maybe you and your spouse aren't getting along very well. Well, what's the vision beyond that? I, I know there's a lot of obstacles in the way. I know there's a lot of challenges in the way. But what's the vision beyond that? I, I know that you may be concerned because your, your children may be going down a certain path and you're concerned about that. But what's the goal for your family? What do you see beyond that? You can't control outcomes. You can't manipulate and try to make everything happen a certain way. But what do you see beyond that? Does that vision, does it stir a passion in you to do something more than what you're doing now? Because you can play the role of the victim or you can be a person who prays. 
You can be a person who dives into trusting God and, not, and isn't leaning into their own understanding, but is instead acknowledging him in all their ways and letting him direct your path, direct your conversations, direct the values that you live out in your home. Yeah, it may be tough. There may be a lot of hurdles. There may be a lot of obstacles, but you can't get stuck any longer where you're at. You have to take a step in that right direction. You have to take that step outside of being stuck. What picture do you see that produces passion in you? Accept the reality. Don't ignore it. Don't act like it's not there. Some people think that's faith. Like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sick. <coughs> yeah, you are. Stay away from me. Like, don't do that. That's weird. Don't, don't deny reality. Accept it. This is where I am. This is what I'm dealing with. But yet, I believe God doesn't want me to stay here. So I want to take a step in the right direction and see beyond that and know that God can do the impossible. And I just need to trust him with every step along the way. Amen? Whether that's a week from now, two weeks from now, two years from now, 20 years from now, or whether I don't fully get to see everything happen and play out in my lifetime, I still have to just trust in God and continue to take a step in the right direction to honor him and to glorify him. Amen? So accepting reality, yes, but also taking a step forward, continuing to press forward, forgetting those things that are behind, even the good things, not trying to just recapture the old glory days. So what is the vision for your family? What's the vision for your relationship with your spouse or your friends or your family members or maybe even your coworkers? What is your vision for your life? How is that producing passion in you to help you to get unstuck, to move forward? So here's how you do that. I'm going to give you something really practical here, and you've probably heard this before, but it's worth saying again, because anything that's good is worth saying more than once, right? So when you see that picture that is producing passion in you of what you know God can do or what God is leading you to that is beyond the current challenge that you're in, the current situation that you're facing, all the current limitations maybe even that are right in front of you. When you see beyond that, ask yourself this question over and over and over again. And this is how you do this. You walk the vision backwards from the destination. So to move from here to there, well, what does there look like? And then ask yourself, what was the last thing that I did or that God led me to do or would lead me to do to see that become a reality? And then whatever the answer is to that question, ask that question again. Well, what's the thing, the last thing I had to do before that? And as you kind of reverse ladder this thing backwards, you'll begin to discover the pathway that perhaps you need to know to take that first step. Because maybe for you, maybe it starts with praying. Maybe your prayer life has been really weak and you're like, you know what? I believe that for me to move from here to there, I've got to start praying about this. I haven't even been giving this to the Lord in prayer. I've just been trying to control it in my own strength. Maybe it's having hard conversations and speaking the truth and love to someone. Maybe it's spending more time with that child or that spouse. Maybe it's taking an interest in them at a different level than you had before. Maybe it's, maybe it's 
seeking out help, seeking out someone to walk with you through, even helping you with your finances to get out of that financial challenge. Whatever it may be, whatever that first step is, what was that last thing I did before I overcame, before I saw the other side, before I was able to move from here to there? And then what was the last thing before that? And then what was the last thing before that? And then what was the last thing before that? And so God helped me to know where to start because some people don't even know where to start. Like, I don't even know what to do. And you feel trapped because you don't know where to start. You feel hopeless. Can I tell you that, that, that you're not without hope today if you have Jesus, amen? And he wants to lead you and guide you. He wants to order your steps. He wants to help you to see beyond the challenge. He wants you to be able to see beyond that. I mean, Paul sees beyond the prison walls. He may not ever get out of prison. He never even talked about wanting to get out. <laughs> That's crazy to me. If I was writing a letter to anybody, I'd be like, please. I'd like come up with a code system or something. <laughs> you know, under the at may and the or day, there's an EK. Okay, A. I'll be like trying to like get out. Like let's, let's stage some sort of like jailbreak. But Paul never mentions getting out. He never mentions trying to get out. He doesn't even allude to the desire to be out. Instead, he's going, this is where I'm at. I've seen God open prison doors before. If he wants to do that, he can. So my goal is not to get out of prison. My goal is to continue to press forward for the prize of the, the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. My goal is to keep moving forward. So right now, what can I do? I can write letters. Okay, I'm going to write letters. And I'm going to write those things as the Holy Spirit directs me and leads me. And people are going to be reading these things thousands of years later. He, he never knew that. He didn't know that at the time, I don't believe. Maybe he did, but I mean, here we are reading this letter that he wrote in prison. God used him in the middle of those circumstances to encourage the church because he didn't fall victim to where he was. And God still continued to use him because it was about pursuing Christ. It was about honoring Christ. It wasn't about what I get out of the deal. So whatever it is for your family, take a step in that right direction. I believe that God is going to help you to know what that first step is and trust him with that. It's gonna require faith because if it doesn't require faith, it doesn't require God. And if it doesn't require God, then you're just trying to make this thing happen in your own strength. It's gonna require him. There's gonna be that element that you just can't control that outcome and you've gotta be okay with that and let go, you control freak. <laughs> you gotta let it go. I'm letting go of those things that are behind me. I'm letting go, I'm pressing forward. You've gotta stop trying to manipulate outcomes, even good godly outcomes. You gotta trust God with that. You plant, you water, God gives the increase, amen? That's how this works. You just have to take a step in faith to begin to do something to get unstuck. Stop making excuses and stop looking at yesteryear or looking at all the reasons why you can't. Here's our BCC big idea for today. Pursue transformation by pressing forward in Christ together. You're not alone in this. That's what the body of Christ is here for. That's what your family can be there for. Your friends who are Christ followers, your family members who are Christ followers. You're not alone. Don't buy into that lie. Don't buy into that garbage. You're not alone. Pursue transformation. Pursue, take that step by pressing forward in Christ together. So what is your first step? Discern that, decide that. Maybe you need other people to help you to discern and decide that. That's, that's what brothers and sisters in Christ are for. You don't have to do all this by yourself. 
I mean, if you can, great, whatever, but you don't have to do this by yourself. You're not alone in this process. Make the decision today to take the responsibility to get unstuck, to say, Lord, I know you're calling me out of this place where I've, we've all been affected. We've all been impacted. And it's impacted our mentality towards so many things. But Lord, I don't want to make excuses to why I'm not moving forward. I don't want us to be stuck in 2020 and what coulda, shoulda, woulda, whatever. I don't want us to be stuck in trying to recapture what we had before. Every time, you know, every time I meet a new pastor, every time, without fail, and I'm guilty of this too, so I'm not throwing shade their way, so shade gets thrown right back, right? Every time I meet a new pastor and we get to talking about, like, their church, like, well, you know, before the pandemic, we had this many people coming. What's that even matter anymore? Like, we say that as if we're, like, making an excuse for, like, where we're at now. No, no, that, hey, this ha- it happened, right? It happened. Why is that my benchmark? Because what is it, an insecurity that I don't want to admit something? That maybe I felt better about this was more impressive than this. We, get, we all have these tendencies to do that. Folks, it's, it's time for us to let go of those things that are behind. Acknowledge the reality of where we are. And let's start moving from here to there. And take a step in the right direction. Amen? This is where we're at. God has led us all the way through and he's been faithful. He hadn't hit the pause button, amen? And neither should we. So Lord, help us do this. Because we have a tendency to get stuck. We acknowledge that. We acknowledge, Lord, our, our frailty and our tendencies. And God, we ask you to forgive us for not trusting you and getting our eyes off of Jesus. Just like Peter got his eyes off of Jesus in the middle of the storm when he was walking on water and then he started looking at the waves and he started sinking. And Lord, so many of us have done the same thing. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to remember the author and the finisher of our faith. Help us remember the gospel. Help us remember that you are good, that you are faithful, even when we're in dark situations that, that even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not supposed to fear any evil. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good. Thank you for being so faithful. I pray that you would give every person hearing this message today fresh vision for their life to get unstuck and to get re-engaged in the purpose that you've called them to, to re-engage with their spouses, with their children, with their neighbors, with their co-workers, with their church family, to re-engage like never before, Lord. And if it means we get creative, we get creative. If it means we have to change some things, we change some things. It means we have to do things we don't like for a season. We do it because you are worth it. And we thank you that you are enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand with me today? Before you go, I want to remind you that we have three ways that we want you to engage here at BCC. Number one, if you're a person who has not put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ. I believe that today is the day of your salvation. 
We have our prayer team that is going to be in all four corners of this room that you can go and talk to that we would love to pray with you, not only about that, but anything else that may be going on in your life. So whether you're a person wanting to come to faith in Christ and you just want someone to pray with you, or whether you're someone who maybe you're dealing with the challenge, you don't have to tell us your life story and all of the details, but we want you to know we love you and we want to pray for you. And we just want you to have that touch point of that person. So there's definitely no shame in that at all because we all need one another to pray. And that's what we're here to do is to love on you right where you're at. So if you need prayer, at the end of the service, you can go to any one of the four corners in this uh, room, and we would love just to pray for you. If you want us to continue to pray for you uh, beyond even this time, would you fill out a prayer request card or shoot us an email, prayer at bettendorfchristian.org. We have prayer every Thursday morning at 8.30, and there have been people showing up for that, and we've been having some wonderful times of praying, and then people have been joining us online and submitting prayer requests as well. There's always people here in the building, and then there's at least a good 15, 20, 30 people online. It's been amazing how our church has just been coming together and praying both virtually and here in the building every single week. So don't forget to take advantage of that. Also, I want to remind you to get connected, to get involved. So if you haven't yet been through our Next Steps class, even if you've been a longtime BCC, or this is for anybody, whether you're new to the church and you just have some questions, or whether you just want to grow to learn to get more connected here at our church, the four classes that we offer in, in a four-week span and a cycle is who we are, what we believe, who you are, and how you fit. And they run concurrent with the weeks of the month. So this is class three, so it'll be who you are, which is a class to help you discover spiritual gifts. Maybe that's what you need to get unstuck. Maybe to discover how God has wired you and kind of some of the gifts that he's given you. You can do that today. That room is right uh, next to our children's worship area. You'll see it has the big sign. It'll say next steps. We have child care provided. We have snacks provided. And it's a 30-minute class from 1145 to 1215. And that class is going to happen today. And it happens each and every Sunday. So we'd love for you to get to be a part of that. You don't have to sign up or anything. So these are just some ways we would love just to pray for you, to minister to you, to help you to get plugged in, help you to get engaged, and maybe that's what you need to take that step in the right direction. Before you go, number 6 and 24 says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon each and every one of you and give you his peace. God bless you, BCC. Have an amazing week. You are dismissed. <laughs>